right, so this, um, for the last few weeks, we've been working through a series called Fundamentals, uh, where we're looking at the, the basic sort of behaviors, the actions, the things that we do that really form the foundation of our Christian faith. Um, and I've got I to gotta admit that we're now kind of moving into the section of the series where I feel a little less like the teacher and more like the student. Uh, these are some of the areas that I personally am not very overtly strong in. So this is going to be a journey where we work together, right? So we're, we're learning together. We're sort of digging into the Bible together. And um, I don't want to come across like I've got everything all sorted because I don't. So we're talking about growth. We've talked about, if you look at those prayer, worship, growth, and community, we talked about community we talked about worship for a couple of weeks, and now we're talking about growth. And the reason I sort of put growth as a fundamental uh, sort of part of our faith is that there's this common idea in relationships that relationships are never static. You're either growing closer to that person or you're kind of drifting further apart. That's a general sort of rule. And when we're talking about faith, we're talking about a relationship between us and God. And so the idea stands that if we are not moving closer to God, we're usually moving away from Him. And so growth, that constant idea that we grow closer and closer to Him, is an important part of our faith. And so I want to talk about this morning. And I think the key aspect, the key to growth in our lives, there's a few ways of growing closer to God, um, but I really think one of the key ways is through Scripture, through reading God's words to us in the Bible. I think that's, that's really, really important. And, and if I'm, if I'm going to take a guess, I'm guessing most of you wouldn't argue that point. There's not a lot of people who say, no, nah, no, nah, the Bible's useless. Do not want to. I mean, you may not be a Christian. You may actually feel that way. That's fair. But if you're a Christian, most of us in the room would at least either say nothing or we would say, you know, that the Bible is important. But the evidence suggests that as people, we haven't really bought into that concept. Uh, there was a study um, put out by the Bible Society in New Zealand in 2008, and it recognized at the time the census suggested that 46% of Kiwis claimed to be Christian. That's a number that has since decreased. I think we're sitting in the 30s somewhere now, high 30s. Uh, these are people who would tick the box and say, yep, given all things being equal, I'm a Christian. If I had to choose one or the other, Christian would be the one I choose. But the study found that of this, even though 46% claimed to be Christian, only 23% of Kiwis let the light of day see the inside of their Bibles, even once a month. Just once a month, only 23% of Kiwis. And only 5% of Kiwis read the Bible every day. Now, those numbers are 13 years old. And I'm going to tell, give you a clue that I'm not going up. Those numbers will be going down. And it's a really interesting look at how Christians even view the Bible as something that they would get into and read on a regular basis. Now, I'd like to say, yes, I am firmly in that 5% 
right? All of the time. I am right there, 5% every day. And I try to get Scripture into me every day. But I, to be honest, like I said, I often struggle to keep that up. As a preacher, I am studying every week. So I study the Bible for the messages and passages that I'm looking into. And that helps, right? That's, that's getting Scripture in me. But it's the concept of personal reading for personal growth towards Jesus. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes I struggle. And I'm guessing, hazard a guess, that I'm not the only one that struggles to get those kind of habits into their lives. So here's a question I have for you. And this is an interactive question. No need for the microphone, just shout out an answer. Why do you think we find it so hard to get habits of reading the Bible? Why do you think even Christians don't often engage? And this doesn't have to be your reasons. This can just be things that you think of and come up with. Instruction? What do you mean by that? Oh, destruction? Oh, I was like, are they burning the Bibles? Because that would hamper it. Yes. Distractions. Yes. Okay. Yep. Distractions. Life gets in the way. We get busy. Yeah, Christian. Yeah, okay, so if you're not theologically sound, maybe if you think, I haven't been trained, I haven't gone to any Bible colleges, I don't know what the heck this thing is, you know? All right, so there's, there's confusion about the Bible. That's a good one. Anyone else? Yes, Emily? Yeah. Yeah, so how do we get into it? How do we read this Bible? That's kind of a sort of a mixture of, of the understanding it and also getting the habits and all of that sort of stuff of, yeah, do I take a, a passage? And if I take a passage, I'm taking it out of context because context is king. But at the same time, I mean, who has time to read six chapters of a Bible in order to get something out of three verses? You know, that's, that's hard. So, yep. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah, well, there's an interesting idea. Yeah. I find myself personally less convicted when I don't read the Bible, and uh, there's a personal happiness level that comes along with that, yeah? That's a good one. I like that. Anyone else? Yes. So, Amy? Yep. I'll come back to you, Jeff. Boring. Boring. Okay. All right, now we're getting honest. Now we're getting into the, yeah. No, it's... Yep. Yep. Right. So we kind of, yeah, we, we've got to do our chores, eat our vegetables, reading the Bible before we can have dessert, which is the books we really want to read. So you remember the comment I made earlier about what's, if a book isn't cool or interesting, what's the point, right? And some people would say, well, yeah, the Bible is neither cool nor interesting. It's boring when you're trying to read through Leviticus and it's like, you know, I've got my other books over here. Yep. So that's interesting. Yep. Can be a little dry for some people. Anything else? Jeff, you had one. Oh, you think it's boring too. All right, good. <laughs> Writing your name down. Jeff thinks the Bible is boring. Dear God, uh, you may want to have a word with Jeff. <laughs> okay, you've already read it. Well done. Numerous times. Very well done. So there's that rep repetition. I've already read it. I already know it. I've already kind of... It's kind of old hat. What's the next one? Where's Bible version 2? The sequel? Um, yeah, all right, right up here. And then last one, Christian. Uh, just to reiterate, I've read this every year. I've been a Christian right through. Right. Every time I read it through, the Lord speaks to me and says, I've read this so 
Ah, yes, okay, so... Yeah, well, you're providing solutions here. I'm clearly asking for problems, but that's, that's okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, well, we'll get there, we'll get there. Uh, so, yeah, but that's right. So, you know, you've found that when you read even the same passage multiple times, God says something different to you through that and different situations and it applies, all that. That's good. Hold that thought. I like that. Last one, Christian, what did you have? Yeah. Yeah, there is a very strong, like you enjoy it more in a group setting rather than by yourself. And there's very strong pull, I think, among Christians. Like, I could read the Bible or I could just wait for Sunday and that guy's going to tell me about it anyway. Um, so I'll just wait to see what he says or she says. And then, you know, I don't have to really worry about it. That's good. It's kind of handed to me on a silver platter. I turned that one a little negative on you, didn't I? <laughs> All right, so yeah, look, we've got, there's a lot of different reasons that, um, that hold us back. And I think if I can sort of summarize some of your ideas and the things that I've been thinking about um, <clears throat> that sort of hold us back from getting into the Bible, I think would one, or questions that we have is, what is it? We're talking about the confusion. What is the Bible, really? I'd hazard most of you would have heard of the Bible, but do we know what it is it? We'll look at that. But why is it so important? And I think there's a few sort of things that come into play that you were talking about, such as distractions or such as, you know, why can't I just come on a Sunday morning and have it taught to me, things like that. Why is it important to go over it again when I've read it before? Would fit under this category. And the third one is, how do I get into it? How do I get started? How do I build that habit? How do I make it a part of my life? Is that fair? So these, these sort of three questions that I think cover a lot of ground. I didn't cover the conviction one. That was a good one. I like that. Um, I think that's a self-explanatory one. We just don't like to be convicted. Um, the only solution to that is basically suck it up and get into it. So we're not going to cover that one quite so much. Uh, so the first question here is, what is the Bible? And I think a lot of the one mistake that a lot of churches make, or perhaps a lot of church leaders make, is an assumption that we have that if you gather together a group of people who call themselves Christians, and I'm not making any assumptions about where you're at in your faith, but for the most part, we would probably call ourselves Christians. And so when you've got a group of people together, you kind of assume that they're on board with what the Bible is. Why wouldn't they be? You know, and there's people who have read it for a long time, you've got different age groups and different. Um, demographics and stuff. So we just kind of assume that everyone is familiar with the Bible. I don't want to assume that. Because for you, the Bible may be very scary. The Bible may be confusing. It's a pretty big, thick book. It can get a little dry sometimes, at least for Jeff and Amy. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of confusing stuff in there. There's a lot of things that don't make sense. There's so many different literary styles in there. And to be honest, maybe I don't even know what's going on. I've never really dove into the Bible before. So I don't want to assume that you know what the book is. Or, and this is the other side, maybe we've become so familiar 
with the Bible because it's been a part of our lives that we assume we know what the Bible is and we're missing something. We might be missing an element of what the Bible is intended for and how to use it. Fair? So I'm not going to assume that. And if this is in your, if this describes you, if you feel like, man, Bible sounds like a good idea, but I'm just, I just don't know. I don't even know where to start. I don't know what it is. I want to throw a few resources at you. Uh, we're not going to be able to cover in depth too much stuff today, but I want to show you three different things that you can do to learn more. The first is a series of videos. I'm going to show you the first one. They're little five-minute videos that you can find on Right Now Media. So if we got, make sure we've got the sound up, I'm going to flick that first video on there now. The Bible. It's one of the most influential books in human history. It explores the big questions of why we exist. It's inspired many people to do amazing things. And confused many others. And you've probably got one sitting around somewhere. So, what is the Bible actually? Well, the Bible is a small library of books that all emerged out of the history of the people of ancient Israel. And in one sense, they were just like any other ancient civilization. But among them were a long line of individuals called prophets. And they viewed Israel's story as anything but ordinary. They saw it as a central part of what God was doing for all humanity. And these prophets were literary geniuses. Really? Yeah, they expertly crafted the Hebrew language to write epic narratives, very sophisticated poetry. They were masters of metaphor and storytelling, and they leveraged all of this to explore life's most complicated questions about death and life and the human struggle. So there's a lot of different authors writing this book. Yeah, and these texts were produced over a thousand year period, starting with Israel's origins in Egypt, then leading up to their kingdom with their first temple. But eventually they were conquered by the Babylonians who took them away into exile. Then at a crucial moment in their history, many Israelites returned to their land. They built a second temple, they reformed their identity, and this is when the Jewish scriptures began to be formed into the shape that we have them today. Okay, the Jewish Bible, what's in it? Well, in Hebrew, it's called by an acronym, Tanakh. The T stands for Torah, sometimes called the law. That's Israel's five book foundation story. The N stands for Nevi'im, the Hebrew word for prophets. And this section consists of the historical books that tell Israel's story from the prophet's point of view. Then you get the poetic books of the prophets themselves. The K stands for Ketavim, the Hebrew word for writings. This is a diverse collection of poetic books, wisdom books, and more narrative. And the Jewish people believe that through all of these literary works, God speaks to his people. Now, there were other Jewish writings being produced during this second temple period as well. Yeah, a really diverse group of texts. And these two were highly valued in Jewish communities. And there was debate from ancient times about whether or not some of these should be considered part of their scriptures. So this is a lot of different writings over a long period of time. Why did they put them all together like this? Well, altogether, these texts tell an epic story about how God is working through these people to bring order and beauty out of the chaos of our world. And it all builds up to a hope for a new leader who would come and renew all creation. And then the Tanakh concludes, and this leader never comes. So it's an expertly crafted work, but it's missing an ending? That's exactly right. Now, a few centuries later, a Jewish prophet comes onto the scene named Jesus of Nazareth. He claimed he was carrying the Tanakh story forward. Yeah, so Jesus did a bunch of cool stuff was killed, but his followers claimed he was alive from the dead. Yeah, they said that Jesus was that long-awaited leader who would restore the world. 
And so his earliest followers, called apostles, they composed new literary works about the story of Jesus. They called these good news or the gospel. They formed an account called Acts about the spread of the Jesus movement outside of Israel. And then they circulated letters to different Jesus communities all around the ancient world. And they saw these writings as part of the scripture. Yeah, the apostles wrote all of this as the fulfillment of that epic story found in the Tanakh. And they were continuing the literary genius of the Jewish tradition. They also believed that God was speaking to his people through these texts alongside the scriptures of Israel. So that's the Old and New Testament. But what did the early Christians think of the other Second Temple literature? Well, different groups had different views about some of these books, but we know they read them and valued these texts because they passed them along with the Jewish scriptures. Okay, so we've got the Tanakh, the Jewish scriptures. We've got these other Second Temple period works. Then the writing of the apostles about Jesus. And that's a lot of literature, so what's in my Bible? So the Christian movement has taken different forms over 2,000 years, and from the beginning, all Christians recognized the Tanakh and the New Testament as scripture. And for centuries, much of the Second Temple literature was read as part of the biblical tradition. The Catholic Church eventually made it official and called some of the books from this collection the Deuterocanonical books. Some Orthodox churches used even more books from this Second Temple literature. And then in the 1500s, during the Reformation, Protestant Christians wanted to go back to the oldest writings of the prophets and apostles, so they accepted only the Old and New Testaments. Okay, I think I got it. But how does a collection of books produced over a thousand years by all these different authors tell one unified story? Yeah, that's the question we'll address in our next video. All right, so the Bible Project is a fantastic resource. And on Right Now Media, which is kind of like the Christian version of Netflix, you can see that video and then a whole series of short videos that explain the different aspects of what the Bible is. So if you're unfamiliar with it, go check those out. Um, there's a link to it inside the Bible app. So if you have your Bible app um, open, you can see that link there. Um, and... If you need a Right Now Media login, um, then you can email hamish at churchnorthwest.nz and I will send you a free login um, because we have that as part of, uh, part of our church community. So I highly recommend checking those out. If you don't have the Bible app and you still want to kind of get the link, you can email me about that um, or you can see Whitney at the welcome desk and um, she can get you details and we can sort you out. Okay? Cool. So that's resource number one. Second resource is we have this fantastic little book created by the Bible Society of New Zealand called The Field Guide to the Bible. Okay, And in this, it does a lot of the same thing this video does, but it just outlines what the Bible is, how to read the Bible, how to um, what it says, like the story, and then a little sort of snapshot of each book so you can see how it all fits into the picture. We have these available. If you would like one, Come find Whitney at the welcome desk, and you can have one of these books, okay? You can have it for free, or if you would like to make a 5 or $10 donation, which you can make in cash, or you can put online on the offering, um, you can do that to help offset costs, but it, at the very least, you can have one of these. We have two today, because I wasn't as organized as I'd like to, but if you would like one, we can order it for you very, very easily and have them ready maybe next week or the week after, okay? Fair enough, so just, again, see Whitney at the welcome desk, Write down your name, and we will get one for you. So those are the resources available. And there's a third fantastic resource that you have at your disposal, and that's each other, all right? 
Again, we talk about this um, often, hopefully, that our mission statement is helping each other take our next step towards Jesus. So if you have questions about the Bible, you could turn to the person next to you or you can ask someone, say, hey, what do you think about this? Like, what's your take on this? Or, or how do I deal with this? Or what's going on here? Small groups are fantastic places to ask questions. When you're having a bit of morning tea, you know, in between the conversation between the weather and the rugby, you can ask a question about what's this Bible thing and how do I get into it a little bit more? So... Um, Connect with each other. We have Facebook groups. We have emails. We have all sorts of ways of communicating. So don't let it slip by. Don't just hide in what you may feel ashamed of not knowing because none of us know all of it, and we're all here to help each other. Fair enough? Yep, good. Okay, so second question is, why is this so important? And again, I don't think there's a lot of us who would stand up and declare that the Bible is not important and we don't need it and we should get rid of it and, as Helen suggested, destroy it. That was not what she suggested. That was. <laughs> um, you guys are manual. Like, I'm throwing you under the bus today. I hope it's not your last Sunday. Um, so, we wouldn't say that it's not important or that we can ignore it. And yet, like I showed before, our actions may sort of tell a different story. So, perhaps it's that we know it's important, but we don't really know why. We haven't let it sink in as to why this is such a critical thing for us. Well, thankfully, the Bible is quite happy to answer that question for itself. It loves to talk about itself as being highly important and why it's important. In fact, it's fitting that the biggest, longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, is exclusively devoted to the importance of Scripture. There's something ironic about a person writing Scripture about how important Scripture is. Um, I'm not sure if he knew at the time that what he was writing was Scripture, but it's a, it's a very interesting sort of little picture. but So that's all about 176 verses just telling us again and again and again and again and again and again how important it is to keep reading the Bible. It includes famous lines like, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Some of you might have an Amy Grant song singing through your head right now. Maybe just me. Okay, there's another really cool passage that Nate read to us earlier, and this is the one I want to kind of sit and hover over for a second. This is in the New Testament when Paul was writing to churches that he had started and churches that he, was, that he knew about. Actually, this one, he was writing to a guy named Timothy who was starting and leading churches. And this is what he says. He says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So Paul's communicating a few important ideas here, and I want to kind of move through these quickly, but they're, they're quite important. The first one is he makes it very, very clear where this book truly comes from. All scripture is inspired by God. Now, in this particular passage, he's talking about the Old Testament scripture, but even he knew that the words he was writing came directly from God and, like the video says, fit into the same category of scripture. So he says it is inspired by God. They may have been written by human beings, over 40 different human beings, in fact, over several, a couple of thousand years, but they all originate from God. Now, 
how exactly God got those ideas into their heads and down into their pens is a subject of very interesting and rigorous debate amongst scholars. I mean, there's different ways of going about it, and actually I think it probably happened in various different ways in various different books. You've got some people like the Old Testament prophets where God literally just said, hey, you, Isaiah, say this. And so he went and he said that. So it's like dictation, you know, and then he wrote down exactly what he said, and that's what we've got. And then there's other books where God would, um, would sort of act within history. He would do something. And then he would kind of nudge someone, hey, you should write that down because that was pretty cool. I did that. Did you see that? Write it down. And so they would write this account of what God did, these history books like we have, like the book of Judges or Samuel or Kings. And then other times God may inspire authors with an idea or a concept. And he says, Paul... He wrote a lot of letters. I need you to write a letter to this church because they're going through this little rigmarole. I kind of want you to talk about this. And so Paul would take this idea and in his own language and in his own personality, he would write a letter. And God, I think, would kind of look over his shoulder. and you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, No, no, no. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he kind of like make sure that it's what it was said, but it was said in Paul's words. Does that make sense? The way I kind of look at it is like an editor of a magazine. Okay. The editor does not write every article. Maybe they write some of the articles, but for the most part, other people are writing the articles. But every single article goes over their desk, they read it, and they make sure that it's right. So the end result is that every word in that magazine can be attributed to that editor because it's exactly what they wanted in there. Does that make sense? That's our Bible. Every word is exactly what God wanted in there. Now, a lot of stuff we could talk about with inspiration. Many people have questions about it, and if you do, we can have conversations. But I want to move on to what Paul says the Bible is useful for, because this is really what it gets critical. This is really where it gets important, because this is how we know why we need to be reading it. Okay? So first thing is it teaches us what is true. Some people call this doctrine, or, or sort of like... Um, Things that the Bible says are true about the world or about who God is, about what he wants us to do, about what happened in history, about the way God moved and what God did for us. The Bible tells us truth about who God is. Second thing is he makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. This is kind of like this conviction that um, we didn't really like getting. So he shows us, when we read the Bible, it's kind of like this mirror. The the, um, book of Hebrews calls it a double-edged sword, and it pierces through bone and marrow and gets right into the nitty-gritty parts of our lives because the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, is using and working with Scripture to show us what's going wrong in our lives. And then it corrects us when when, when we're wrong. So it shows us actually... You did something wrong, fix it. And then finally, it teaches us to do what is right. It shows us the path forward. It helps us to live a righteous, moral life. Does that make sense, those four things? That's very important because here's where he wraps it up. This is the result of reading the Bible. He says, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good thing work. This is God's chosen method 
to show us how to live the life he wants us to live. Yeah? And this is why it's so fundamental. This is why it's so important. More than anything else that we have at our disposal, these words show us the life God wants us to live. Even God's Spirit works in conjunction with Scripture. He says He's not going to teach us new things that aren't in Scripture. might tell us specific things about our lives and, you know, that sort of thing, but He's not going to teach us new concepts and ideas about God that's in here. The Bible is everything that we need to know about who God is, who we are, and how to live like it. That's why it's so fundamentally important. There's all sorts of training things that we can do. There are all sorts of things. We can go to Bible college. We can take courses online. We can read books from famous theologians. We can do all sorts of stuff to help grow our spirituality. But nothing is ever going to trump or replace the words of God. How could they? How could anything be more important than the words God has chosen to communicate to us about who he is and how to live our lives. Right, so, third question then. How do I get into it? Like, how do I, how do I, like, I get it, it's important, I know it's God's words, and I know, like, I should read it, but, oh my God, it's good. Right, sometimes we feel that way, right? I can't get into those habits, and I can't get into that rhythm. And again, this is where I find my own weaknesses residing, my own shadows, my entire life, I've, I've tr- struggled to form good reading habits, and it's some of the way that my brain works as well. And I, I study the passages to preach, but like sitting down and say, hey God, let's spend some time together reading the Bible, that's always eluded me, that, that common habit. So, this is where our mission statement comes once again. We help each other take our next step towards Jesus. If you're going to rely on me to help make this happen, then, well, we're in trouble. (laughs) But we can help each other. We can help each other, motivate each other, encourage each other. Hebrews says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good deeds or good works. We can help each other. And I want to give you a really good way that we can do that. This is something we've been thinking about a lot, um, about ways that we can help each other get into the Bible. And it's this. Have you heard about reading plans? Many of you might have heard about reading plans. Some of you may not have heard about reading plans. But the Version app, the app that we use for our um, bulletins and stuff, has in there reading plans where you can go and you can pick a reading plan and you can, it just gives you passages to read over several days. So why don't we do one together? Now, you may have your own reading systems, and I don't want to necessarily get in the way of that, but at the same time, Maybe this is something that you can do to help encourage and motivate each other so that we can all do the same one together. This comes in a two-part thing. We're going to start off small, and then we're going to do something a little bit bigger. So this one is called Winning the War in Your Mind. So it's, it's passages that kind of reflect on that inner battle and that inner turmoil we have in our, our minds. It's got a bit of a devotion each day and then some passages to read. Nothing too heavy just to get us into the Bible, right? That's a seven-day one. So that's nice and easy. We get it done in a week. We'll start that tomorrow, I think. We want to do that together. Um, And so there's a link in your Bible app to that. And if you don't have the Bible app, 
but you do want to get involved in the reading plan, again, talk to Whitney at the welcome desk. She's going to be very busy today. Um, and put your name down, and we can send you a link. Okay? Is that all I need to cover for that? There's also, this is kind of a stepping stone to another one. What? Yeah. Ah, beautiful. So if you are on the Facebook community page, so the Church Northwest community page, which is the sort of the closed one, right, that we have for the community, which if you want to get on that, just email um, or just request uh, to get accepted and we'll, you know, do a background check and look into your credit history and then we'll let you in. Um, but there, so you can get in there and there will be a link on that Facebook page as well. Okay? Now, that's a stepping stone because what we want to do is we've got a big outreach push that we're going to be doing in about a month uh, or in a few weeks. Yeah. So, um, and when we start that one, that's going to be sort of a year-long thing that we want to do. We thought it might be really cool to start a year-long reading plan at the same time. So um, we've got a little one to get you started now and you can kind of play around with different reading plans. And then if you want to, you can get on board with our year-long reading plan. I just, it won't be the whole Bible in a year, because that's, that's, that's quite a lot of reading. But we'll take a chunk, maybe the New Testament, I think is what we sort of decided. Yeah, so we'll go through the New Testament in a year together. And then you can communicate with each other. And you can talk to each other in small groups or getting over coffee or, or whatever about, hey, I read this passage. I read the same one because we're on the same reading plan. Let's talk about it. Let's help each other. Let's iron sharpen iron. Let's, let's, let's build each other up, like Hebrew said. Yeah? Make sense? Okay, you have no more questions about the Bible. Everything is hunky-dory. You're ready to read, right? <laughs> All right. Well, look, there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes in with Bible. It's a lifelong journey. Um, Debbie, uh, you, you mentioned you've read it, and I know you believe this, that reading it again multiple times has so much benefit, you know? If you've read it before, read it again. If you haven't read it, get into it. If you don't know where to start, try the reading plans, you know? Um, let's, let's get God's words into our hearts, into our minds, so that we know the life he wants us to live. Let me pray.